Hello, welcome to Conversations with T. Um, Chidi Iwuchuku joins us, is the best-selling author of Coming to Canada, the ultimate success guide for new immigrants and travelers. Welcome, Chidi, to Conversations. Thank you for having me. There's, there's so much information out there about coming to Canada. Why was it important for you to write this book? Um, so the book draws from three uh, broad experiences that I've had about coming to about the Canadian experience. Number one is our personal journey as newcomers to Canada. And when we came in here, we didn't find any resource that could speak to us as we take all the um, corners of the settlement maze and uh, finding our feet and integrating in the country. Um, the other part of it is how we've built on that experience to help other people when they came into Canada find their feet. And also the work that I've done as the Director of Humanitarian Services for the Igbo Cultural Association of Edmonton. In that role, I helped newcomers um, settle and thrive by giving them information, critical information, and by linking them out to some community resources. So all of these I put inside, all of these experiences I decided to put inside the group because I know that for sure the biggest thing that you can do for any newcomer to Canada is information. And putting it in a very handy situation or a handy format makes it a lot easier. Can I ask, what was it like coming to Canada for you? Was it, um, did you settle okay or did you get into bombs or trauma along the way? Um, there were a lot of issues along the way. Um, for example, it took us six months to get, to get our first job and it's not for lack of trying and I had a family of five to feed. Um, there were other instances where we encountered subtle racism, racial um, biases, and even for a widely traveled um, person, uh, the culture shock was also there. So um, in all, it was challenging to settle, but we did fine. Your, just that right there, it's, it's a typical immigrant narrative, isn't it? Um, what things did you wish you knew um, then that you know now? Uh, so one of them, for example, would be the, as I mentioned before, it took us six months to find a job, okay? Because we didn't have the Canadian experience, um, which were required to give us Canadian jobs in most instances. So, but you need Canadian job to get Canadian experience. Um, how to unlock that uh, partner is something that I just found about um, that I know now uh, that I didn't know then. Um, How do you unlock the quagmire, Chidi? Well, I, somebody needs to get the book because if I finish telling you everything about the book, how will it now work? <laughs> oh, okay. I see. Okay. Get a book. Okay. Get a book. Yeah, get a book is inside that. The other thing about what we are talking about is and again, on this uh, trajectory of um, how to find that very important Canadian experience and the use of uh, some agencies and all that. 
you know, those are the, some of the things that I found. Uh, I found out that um, in the course of the journey, I, di I didn't know about before, and now I know. When you talk to um, the people you work with, I imagine Igbos um, from Nigeria, maybe not as part of your work as Director of Humanitarian Services um, for the Igbo Cultural Association. Can you compare the experiences people tell you they're having and what you had when you came in? And could you assess whether your experience is better than theirs or theirs is a bit more um, easier than yours? Everybody's journey is unique. So you can't say um, one person's um, journey is easier or not. Part of why it's unique and why you can make that assertion is because of also the people's capacity to go through what they are going through. For example, somebody could come in and find that even from from coming in here, before coming in here, will have found a job that matches what he or she was doing before relocation. Others, like I did, had you know, will come in and go through um, transition jobs where they work below temporary work, um, get underemployed, more or less. And so everybody's own is unique. But one of the things I find out is that people struggle in one way or the other, sometimes not in the same way that I have struggled, Some, sometimes even in places that I have found my strength. And I have um, found uh, that giving everybody the information ahead of time and giving them these resources that come from not only my own experience, but the experience of every other person, makes it easier then for them to integrate, to locate where they have challenges and find the information that they require at that particular moment. Would you encourage people to come to Canada based on your own experiences? Absolutely, I will. However, the idea about the book is to give them that information ahead of time so that they know what they're coming in. Because the way Canada is marketed around the world, the Canadian immigration is marketed around the world, especially in our place, and the reality are not the same, right? There's, there seems to be some gap between the ideal and the reality. I'll give you an example. Um, when you apply for Canadian immigration, the government assesses your ability to be a Canadian citizen, as it were, on broadly about four four items, your education, your experience, your ability to fund the education, and your language skill. Okay. Now, by the time you come in, other things take up your, your challenge. Now, you're not dealing with government again, you're not dealing with employers, and some of the employers will tell you you don't have Canadian experience, and you need Canadian experience to get Canadian job. You need Canadian job to get Canadian experience. Uh, you have, you, even when you are training with English language, you hear some people tell you that you have accents or that you, you know, you don't communicate well. So it's better that we know what we're, what we're coming into. Will I advise somebody to come? Absolutely, yes. What will I advise the person to do in the face of all these obstacles is to have a Number one, a positive mindset. Number two, to have that um, long-term view about integrating and um, settling in Canada. It's not a 100-meter dash, it's a marathon. Okay. I've, I've got several things to, a follow-up question 
Actually, let me start with a follow-up question. When you say it's it's a marathon, what exactly do you mean? Um, it's not a hundred meter dash. It's a marathon. Uh, what I mean is every everything will not happen in one day. You know, the settlement process will not happen in one day. You're not going to get that absolute. Um, you may not get that book, that job you're looking for in one day. You may not have that position you're looking for in one day. Um, so you need to conserve your energy. Every marathon runner knows that it's not about running, uh, taking off immediately. It's about conserving your energy for the long run. Okay, okay. So if you don't, if things don't start happening for you, as soon as you come in, don't get discouraged. Keep walking and keep pushing and keep believing and it will happen. So that's why that's why I compared. Well, that's why I use that analogy between a hundred meter dash and a marathon. Anecdot anecdotally, um, I hear that black men um, with an African background struggle in the West or the struggle in Canada uh, for many reasons. Maybe um, some men will come with. They've had drivers in the past, and they've had domestic households and. And you come here, you, you, you have to drive your own car, you have to wash your own bathroom, maybe even cook your own food. Would you say you struggled or would you say the experience of black men anecdotally to struggle is a, is a reality or a myth? What a that question. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. It's a reality. Uh, I am one of them. I'm one of the people who had a house full of uh, domestic uh, support and help uh, back home. Um, I I can't remember when I entered the kitchen the last time back home. Uh, it's either that we had cooked, we had siblings, we had paid paid servants, but uh, well, paid help servants uh, in the house. However, coming to coming over here is just me, my wife, and the kids. But there's one thing that is very important. The important thing is that I am now, I am here uh, and I'm living with the people that I am so glad, so privileged to serve. Um, I have three boys. And one of the things I also know is that I'm also modeling masculinity for them. So what is, what is it about? What is the, the model of um, manhood am I presenting for these kids? So whereas I struggled at that particular moment, uh, at some moments about doing these things, but because again, it's easier for me because I know that I have people who are looking up to me and who I need to teach, okay? So it's a reality. Um, the transitioning that the African men do when they come in here, especially when you consider uh, perceived loss of power, it's, it's another conversation that we need to have someday. Uh, it's also part of the things that I, I wrote in the book, how to manage all that transitioning, because sometimes uh, we don't understand the culture shock and the, those implications in the family dynamics. You've spoken well. I thought that was a reasonably good answer, Chidi. I, when you say you model masculinity, you know, my head is just, you know, not actually, you know, I want you to break that down. What does that look like for an evil man from Nigeria? And it's 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 dawning on me that you are maybe even westernized, and so men struggle with westernizing their uh, their ways, you know, 
um, maybe wanting Nigeria here, wanting to recreate the kind of home life they had in Nigeria. So could you share for our audience what modeling masculinity looked like for you? So sometimes I have, I have this joke where um, sometimes the rare times I have the opportunity. I, I don't say I don't, I do this often. I don't do it as often as I want to because of the other commitments I have. But some days I just get into the kitchen and my wife is on the sofa watching TV and I'm the person cooking, right? And then I'll call my boys. I say, hey, you guys need to come over to the kitchen. It's not when tomorrow, when you go and get somebody's daughter, you come and suffer the person, you come and make, tell the person that she has to be the person that is cooking. So my boys are seeing me cook. They see me. In Nigeria, you, you won't have gone to the kitchen either ways, either to cook, no, boil an egg, or make an omelette. Yeah, in, in Nigeria, it would be very rare. And I can't remember when uh -huh. I frankly speaking, I can't remember when I did. But here, I need, you know, I needed to show them. Uh, in Nigeria, the way I did it. Wife, how does your wife, is she happier? Are you a better husband in Canada than in Nigeria? I'm just curious. You don't have to answer the question. <laughs> well, I don't know, to be honest with you. Maybe I'll bring her to your show so she can talk about it. But um, to the extent that I, I have, I, you know, try to do some of the heavy lifting. For example, I'll give you an example. When we came in here, she was in school full-time. She was in school with a full-time job. I was in school, full-time job, and the kids had to do their lessons and their um, basketball. So for the two years, it, it was very stressful for both of us, but we were able to um, manage, you know, graduate from school, graduate from hard graduate from school and all that. Well, most of it involved me um, taking care, falling back, picking up where, you know, to give her that space to do her program because she started a year before me. So uh, I think that it's a matter of understanding and, and visioning and knowing where that the two of you are on the same page and looking towards the same direction. And then you do what you have to do. I believe that my best, highest calling is to serve the ones that I, that I, live, that I live with, okay? So I am tracking that balance and God help me every day to ensure that I am not only walking the walk, I'm also talking the talk, right? Okay. So uh, you asked the question of how do I combine, how do I show this masculinity? I'm showing my boys that it is not, I'm not the Lord and manner of this house. I get input from them. I get input from my wife. My wife, um, we discuss everything from budgeting, from how money is spent, from the major decisions we are taking. Uh, we talk about the way the boys are, the activity. activity. Sometimes I, she needs in those things, in places where she has obvious natural strength. Uh, sometimes she asks for my input. And in all, both of us are on the same page for most of for all the things that we're going to do. Uh, when we're going to buy a house, I allowed her to make make her choice, even though I, you know, um, make her choice in terms of what she wanted in the house. If you just we wanted to buy a car, madam, what kind of car do you want to buy? This kind of thing, you know. Well, I'm, that's what happened in Nigeria. This so com com conversation between you and your partner would that not have happened in Nigeria? Um. The relationship I have with my wife, both here in and in Nigeria, uh, 
somewhat different, and I'll tell you why. In Nigeria, she was a, a signatory to all my accounts. Okay, she could sign out whatever whatever amount she she could in Nigeria. Uh, but I know that my friends found that very strange that I I could allow my wife to um, have access to my account as much as she could. Um, in in Nigeria, we had when we bought our house in Nigeria, she also made a final call in terms of whether it was a suitable place or not. But there are some business decisions that she wouldn't be prior to that I would go ahead and take. But here, both business and personal, she's part of it. Okay. Okay. I want you to um, to reflect on this. Uh, the government spends millions um, trying to help immigrants from Africa, Asia, recently, most recently Ukraine. Uh, because you understand that poverty for immigrants is 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 a given, and so you've written this all-knowing book of how these same immigrants, black immigrants from impoverished countries, can strive, and you're putting the premium on your wisdom. How are you reading this? How do they benefit from? How, how are we not entrenching generational poverty? If you have answers. And you're putting a price on your answers, Chidi. And that's an amazing question you just asked me because my next book, the next book I'm writing is about financial literacy for immigrant families. Okay. And that's where I disclose, I discuss a lot about how we can build intergenerational wealth, um, sustain it and transfer it. Yes, yes. Here's my take about this. Number one is that we don't have enough information and we're not positioning for the opportunities that we have here, okay? Uh, number two is that we think that the best we can do for ourselves in Canada is work, work, work. It doesn't happen. Uh, you see, for most immigrants in the office, we really take our leave, we really take our break, we really take our all the opportunities that are given to us in the uh, organizations where we work because we are not used to it, okay? Because we are not used to it and we don't think about it. The other side of it is because we are coming in from countries where the job market is not as liberal as what we could here the opportunities to work. We think that we can um, do so much by working many jobs at the same time. So what we what end, we end up doing is working ourselves out of the tax bracket that we belong to ordinarily. So what I would say is that we need to start thinking about um, this our journey from a strategic position. Well, what do I want to do five years from now that we impact the community that will impact my world. How do I get into entrepreneurship? Because entrepreneurship is the spark of prosperity. I beg your pardon, Chidi. You're answering the question, why are you putting a premium on the book? Or you're talking about your new book? No, no, no. I'm answering the question. So okay. the, the the things that you asked me why I think that um, poverty is, yeah. is endemic. And so it's important that we position ourselves Part of success in Canada is taking is getting into leadership positions, leadership in entrepreneurship, leadership in business, and leadership in the work that we do. Um, so 
if we don't position ourselves, and that is what this book is about, if you don't position yourself well for success, you probably get frustrated and just give up trying. And that's the worst thing that can happen. Okay. Um, I'm afraid we have to handy here. You're Chidi Uwuchuku. You've written a best-selling book coming through Canada. Where can people find this book? The book is on my landing page. Um, um, the, uh, the publish your gift dot com slash gdi that's my landing page um it's also on amazon dot ca amazon dot com uh for your audiences in nigeria um it's on um seller dot com uh and any other any of the major uh, sellers novels and bands um walmart any other online retailers who just got into um indigo chapters and all that Thank you so much, Chidi, for joining us. You are the author of Coming to Canada, the ultimate success guide for new immigrants and travelers. Thank you for your time, Chidi. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks for listening to that. Make sure you follow-